What's up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Stereotherapy. I'm your host, Lisa. And of course, I've got Justine along with me. And yes, she is back. She is right here with me. We are so excited about this. If you are new here, this is the show that showcases the importance of music and mental health. As always, you can say hi to us on Instagram, at TikTok. Our handle is stereo period therapy, stereo.therapy, whatever you want to say on both of those. We also have our website that features some blogs for each episode, so you can check that out at www.stereotherapypod.com and say hi to us as well. as well. We love it. We would love to hear from you. I know every damn episode we say this, but it truly would mean a lot if you would follow, subscribe on any platform you are currently listening to this right now. It would really just mean a lot to us, and we appreciate anyone that's already done that. It throws us into the algorithms. We still don't know, but thank you so much. But all right, guys, Justine is back with me. I'm so excited. And before we get into her special episode, which is one we wanted to do, Justine, how are you? We've kind of had a busy day, which we're not going to talk about yet, but we've had a busy day. But how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm just so glad my voice is back because I lost my voice yeah. during it, which is the biggest reason why I wasn't recording with you. So I'm I'm just glad it's back. <laughs> No, I'm with you because, and anyone that hasn't been listening or sometimes listens, and they're like, where's Justine? I'm going to flat out tell you that sometimes Justine gets bad luck like I do. Like, yeah. I will be honest, really this, past week, this past week, if we had anything planned, it would have been fucked because I yeah. had my own health thing where I had to have a wake up call almost like, <clears throat> you better take care of yourself. And, you know it was a rough four days. So I can only imagine like you had COVID like that. And I yeah. think it was just a reminder too. Like, I remember when you had COVID, I was like, Justine, like, don't even worry about anything because mm-hmm. like, seriously, like this is just a podcast at the end of the day. Like our health is more important. So if you miss Justine, just know we love <laughs> Justine. We want Justine here, but sometimes it's like a friendly reminder is usually if I'm absent, it's more than likely that I've gotten sick because I get sick a lot being chronically ill if usually if I am MIA it's because I've gotten sick like Mm -hmm. almost like 90% of the time like the other rarity would be if we had an interview and I was already babysitting that day but like usually if I am not in an episode it's usually because I've gotten sick because I tend to get sick a lot (laughs) yeah so I don't think anything first time getting COVID so that really sucked but yeah. Yeah. So if everyone don't don't think anything ever, okay? Because I try and say it. Yeah. <laughs> like Justine is I, here to say yeah. we are here. I was like, I was like, Lisa, make sure you mention the people that I'm sick. So I know because I've been MIA a lot lately because I kept getting sick the last couple months. So yeah, if I'm ever not on an episode, that's usually why I've usually gotten sick. It's so important to do this episode too because I know that this is what we wanted to do, and I think you've just taught me so much and I know other people so much about autism and your diagnosis. And I think there's so, I think we have such a long way to go because already like on TikTok or whatever, I see things and I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? Like, that's not like, and I think even me and I think more and more people are getting diagnosed at a younger age too. So it's important to talk about. And I was just like, we gotta, we gotta start the year off with an episode for you. And because it just is so important to talk about those things because you've taught me about whether it's our environment or events in our life deal with mental health. And mm-hmm. that's something like I didn't think about. Like, of course I knew, but you really showed that to me and made it kind of like 
yeah, we have to talk about these things. So we're going to turn the tables <laughs> instead of having a guest. Justine is our guest, even though she's our co-host. <laughs> um, but I just want to give the floor, but I guess we should just start with this is, and you've touched on some of these things before, but maybe yeah. in a different way, but what was it like when you finally got your diagnosis and what changed for you in your life since getting that diagnosis? So for all my life, I always kind of knew I was different. Um, and I never really knew why I went through so many therapists over my lifetime, um, saying that they all kind of said the same thing that it was anxiety and depression. Um, but my experience, it just, it always felt worse than what your average person with anxiety and depression had, which, um, led me further to a narrative that something was severely wrong with me um so when the most recent therapist I have had um and I've been I was with her for four to five years um and I, she just recently um had to move away so I didn't that's why I, she's not currently my therapist now but um she does keep in touch with me which I appreciate but um, from her, she was starting to piece things together and she brought it up that she's like, I'm seeing a lot of autism um, flags with you and asked me if I would want to seek a diagnosis. And so she sent me to the psychiatrist that was ahead of autism cases, um, which by the way, she didn't really see adults. She, she only saw like, maybe like a couple adults in her practice and I think people need to remember that as well is that most psychiatry that is based in autism they really don't see adults they only see children um so she sent me to her and I was finally validated um I didn't just have some severe wild case of some mental illness and people just weren't seeing it. And um, because that's kind of where I was going. And I was, I've always been really into psychiatry and psychology. So it was coming down to me, like looking up all these different diagnoses of severe things, because I thought something severely was wrong and it wasn't just normal depression and anxiety. Um, it turns out that it is autism along with some mental illness, um, nothing like super severe as I had thought, but um, in turn, I'm able to be more gentle with myself because I have more context of why I do the things I do and everything that comes with it. And what do you think too, because I, I know a couple of people personally near me that have the same thing as you something mm -hmm. just wasn't quite right and yes they had symptoms of anxiety and depression yeah. um and things like that what do you think is the common and there could be a couple of them but common mm -hmm. misconception about autism because I know there's a lot of them that you've there's seen. a lot you them. you pointed yeah. them out to me too um, yeah yeah what are some of those um People tend to forget or just not realize that there's different levels of support 
Uh, most people not only associate autism with level three, um, that is the most uh, severe point of support needed, by the way, um, but also only that children, uh, people with children, people tend to forget that autistic children turn into autistic adults. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that can look different and you can't see um, an adult and you only relate to how a child feels with it. Um, like, I'm not going to seem like your five-year-old nephew. Right. <laughs> I no. <laughs> am, for one, I'm not a child, but also I'm not a boy. Um, mm -hmm. I'm an adult who's navigated the world as an undiagnosed child. Um, but also it's a spectrum. So that means that not everybody's traits are going to look exactly the same. So some are sensory seeking, some are sensory avoided, and some have both. I have both. Um, certain things I need to be sensory seeking, other ones I'm sensory avoided. Like, um, loud noises, I tend to avoid, <laughs> except for music, which is, that's a whole nother hilarious yeah. aspect of it. But like, um, but at the same time, I tend to be sensory seeking when it comes to like certain textures. Like I love soft stuff animals, like squishmallows, different textures of toys I like to feel, um, things like that. So like, I'm a little bit of both, but there are some people that are only one or the other and aren't always both and I think a lot of people forget that but also everything that we know of autism and what autism looks like is all based on young white boys <laughs> so if you keep looking at it from that perspective of white males that are you know, young boys and looking at it from a level three perspective, then yeah, you're going to think that all of us are a bunch of phonies, but that's not the case. And I think a lot of times too, we need to remind everybody the very first person ever to be diagnosed with autism just died this past year. Wow. Um, so we are literally still in the, um, like the research and discovering things about autism and so if you're looking at it from that perspective you'll understand like we're still finding new things out every day and if you're going off from this old perspective of it then yeah you're going to be wrong in what you think autism is yeah I mean like I said you've taught me so much like not that I was anyone that was like oh well <laughs> this isn't the case or that but just so many things and I think it just really made me take a back seat and really again be like yeah there's a lot more that like this is, isn't really talked about and especially like you said like yeah. when you're, that the autistic child becomes the adult and yeah. you still have to take care of them in a way and I think too yeah. obviously I know you've touched on it a little bit but how do you feel you know mental health has played a role with your diagnosis and since like has it gotten better is it the same or are you more like understanding of your mental health and because I'm sure in a way too like some people say when they get late diagnosed to even ADHD mm -hmm. or something they almost grieve that part of you that no we you do know, you know and I know yeah. you've said that I'm using your words right now everybody. yeah no, 100 <laughs> but, but yeah um because the whole idea of before I get into that but the whole idea of the grieving who you were 
and whatnot is um, because all of us who are late diagnosed, we learn to mask for the most part. And so masking is where you you act how society wants you to behave. And so once you get the diagnosis, that's when you start the unmasking process where you're starting to go back and like truly do things that feel right with your body, not with what's right with society. And like there's books on it. There's actually a book that's really popular right now in the community called Unmasking Autism, um, which is about that whole process of um, really trying to figure out who you are and outside of the portrayal that you've put on over all these years to survive because that's basically what it is it's a mask to be able to survive in the society um but yeah that's you know but um no but no it's so important anything you have to say about it is important because again you're someone that again has taught me a lot but I'm sure other people too and listening to the podcast we have this idea that autism is this one size fit all. Oh, you know, maybe they're nonverbal or maybe um, they are deemed awkward or whatever we want to call it. And yeah. people don't, don't look, or maybe on a TV show when it's depicted, right? Like if there's an oh, autistic yeah. character, That's the, it's it, a huge problem with media. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just, we see yeah. more and more of it. So to have you, say that and I guess too like say someone is sitting there and they suspect they have traits or they're watching a TikTok and they're like that's me yeah or they're listening to this even and hearing you talk and they're like that sounds exactly like me what I guess what what are the steps like what like if they want to go for a diagnosis because like you said it's very difficult Mm -hmm. as an adult and that's why a lot of people go undiagnosed like any advice on your journey that you went on because I know it wasn't the easiest thing um let me go back though to yeah. the last question because I didn't answer yeah. it but yeah. uh how mental health played a role because this is um something that we all kind of deal with and I think sometimes a lot of people don't connect the two together but um so every person who is autistic we all deal with mental health in some capacity um my autism has caused my anxiety and depression so it has been like so most people who are late diagnosed most of us all have cptsd um in some capacity like some might have it greater than others but because of the fact like i mentioned with the masking how we learn to survive in a world that's like not made for us and so we put up this kind of facade in a way um because of that like we kind of inherently learn that who we are um isn't appropriate right so a lot of us develop cptsd as a result so i not only have cptsd from an abusive uh partner but i've come to learn that i actually have cptsd from childhood as well trying to learn how to survive and live in this world even though i'm not set up for this world you know and I think a lot of people tend to forget that because when you are set up for a society that's not how you act like that's very traumatic and that's very much a struggle and that's why a lot of us have learned to mask there are some in like different levels 
of autism that are not capable of masking no matter how hard they try. But when it comes to late diagnosis, it seems like most of us have learned to mask because we didn't know. Like we did not know that we were autistic. So we just kind of learned to mirror other people that people liked and whatnot. And from my personal experience and from others that I have seen, and because like I learned pretty fast that like other people don't pick up other people's personality traits like I did. And and it was how I learned how to survive in the workplace, especially. And whenever I mentioned sometimes that I would have, I would mirror the personality that, that person wanted me to have. Um, I remember talking about it with people sometimes and they were like, that's weird. Like, why do you do that? And yeah. a lot of times doing that, especially if you don't know a person is autistic, a lot of us have been told that we're manipulative and that's not what is happening there. Like, it's not a trait that's used to manipulate a person in a certain way necessarily it's a survival mechanism so mirroring personalities and masking it's not used to gain something or to get something it's just used to survive and do what's needed like for me a lot like especially in the workplace whenever I would mask and mirror people in the workplace it was to make sure I still had a job because like if I because I would witness other co-workers and management if you acted too weird or did a certain way um they didn't like it and I picked up on that a lot over the years um and a workplace method especially that like I need to act in this certain manner with people so that I still make money to live <laughs> so and in fact that autism cases only 15% of us can work especially full-time jobs some of that just has to do with the overstimulation kind of thing but also a lot of it has to do with masking so if you can't mirror and mask with people like it's really hard to, to keep a job when you have autism so um, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because oh yeah, that's so important because I know some people that I'm close with have said those same things too. That it's it's people don't understand how the difficulty of that, and again, like kind of to go back into it though. But what if someone, like I said, even if they're listening to this right and they're like, wait a second, yeah. that sounds like me, or they've seen your TikToks or anything, you know what? those first steps I guess like what do you do because like like you said it's yeah. tough for an adult like what um I realized my path to diagnosis is extremely rare um I got extremely lucky like I autism was not on my my mind whatsoever for what was going on with me um and I feel like especially like us millennials um we were very much taught about autism in the method that I had talked about before, where it's like, mm -hmm. we were taught that you are going to be like a level three. Mm -hmm. um, it's only in boys. And yeah. like that's why it never was on my uh, radar for what was going on with me. So 
unlike most people, especially nowadays, um, like that's not how most people discover it or find out that that's what's going on with them. But this is what I gather from things in an autistic women's Facebook group, but also TikTok. Um, what most people do is they research everything, as many social media things that you can learn from other people, to even getting a DSM-5 to figure out what the criteria is to get a diagnosis. Um, and then all your findings, you put in like a big old binder um, and take that to your doctors and then just keep pushing until they finally get you tested. Um, something else to realize is that testing is extremely expensive and most of the time it's out of pocket for, for most. So like, so while you're researching, like start saving money for me, I didn't have to pay because I go to like a special healthcare center that's made for low income people. So I don't know if that's even common in most other places, but that's why it wasn't as difficult for me. Again, like I got lucky in my path to figuring out diagnosis, but doctors are starting to notice when when you self-diagnose that it's the most valid research that you're going to get because who's going to know mm -hmm. more of what you're dealing with than yourself. Um, so if you're struggling for an official diagnosis, self-diagnosis is just as good, but it's also important to research, like depending on where you live, if it's safe for you to be diagnosed, because unfortunately many states, um, it could be more harmful for you to be officially diagnosed because it could cost you your benefits. It could even cost you like your custody of your children sometimes. So research is everything when it comes to this. So just research every little thing and note it, and, you know, just that's all I can recommend. So yeah, that's so important because I think self-diagnosis is one of those things people want to, you know, yeah maybe like downplay but I know so many people that um whether it's ADHD recently like yeah hey, same thing I have with this. ADHD as well I yeah. have this and that's like I'm, I'm on that journey you know but it's like you sit there and you like you said no one knows yourself any better but I guess if we're <laughs> in a setting too again I think it's it's how people are right because maybe they hear yeah. someone's autistic and they're already gonna think oh, whatever they think right whatever in yeah. their mind yeah. Um. Based off of their own thing, or maybe they've never been around someone that's autistic. What can people do to sort of make someone around us more feel more comfortable or, or have more understanding? I mean, of course, that's like asking a lot because people having yeah. understanding sometimes. But like, especially like the stimming, right? If somebody is yeah. stimming, somebody may be more apt to stare or um yeah. things of that nature, which no one should ever do. But um, <laughs> what do you think we can do to make someone that is autistic feel more comfortable and able to do whatever they have to do and just maybe yeah. understand that, hey, they're, they're a human, like, let's relax? Um, I think something important to note is that even allistic, and allistic means non-autistic, non-allistic uh, people can even have autistic traits, um, like stimming, everybody stims. It doesn't matter if you have autism, ADHD, or none. Um, everybody stims 
in a little bit like in yeah. any kind of capacity um well, like and not to interrupt you but there's some sometimes yeah. like with my anxiety and just whatever I was once in a really weird situation and not weird but it was just like I was all I was with G but he got up and left yeah. at the table or whatever and I'm sitting there like doing this and I'm just like yeah. you know I'm nerd whatever and mm -hmm. um and no one can see but like I'm moving my hands in a way that maybe to somebody yeah. else it might be like um sign language and one time one of his friends near the end of the night came over and was like oh my gosh Lisa I didn't understand you knew I didn't know you knew sign language I wasn't aware like and I was just one mortified as someone that has social anxiety right yeah. I'm sitting there but again I was absolutely 100% stimming and not even yeah. knowing like you mm -hmm. just said everybody's done yeah. it and maybe we don't even think about it and uh yeah what yeah, situation but go ahead <laughs> no it's okay like swimming is one of those things where it's just it's something you have to do to make your body feel good so like yeah. sometimes it looks a little weird um but for <laughs> for people that are autistic or adhd it's like amplified it's mm -hmm. more than what you see on somebody who is holistic so until you've done like heavy research or anything like that um earlier that i had said um it's not necessary that you're autistic if you can relate to certain traits so like if you resonate with any kind of autistic creator that you've seen that doesn't necessarily mean that you're autistic and I think right. that's what um that's what's been frustrating I think for a lot of people is that you'll have holistic people get on your content creating or whatnot if you are an autistic person or ADHD person and you're talking about your experience and they're like, well, I do that too. And I'm not autistic or yes. I'm not. ADHD. Yeah. We see that a lot. And it's like, yeah, because you can do these things too. It's just, right. it's more of it's, you could bite your nails and you're not autistic, but like to be autistic and having to stem. And if you don't stem, you're going to go into severe meltdown. That's different. It's, yeah, it's totally 100%. different. So you can't base it off of like one TikTok video that you saw. And I think that's what's frustrating most of all for people that are trying to self-diagnose um, is that you're getting all this backlash from people that are not autistic or ADHD. And they're trying to tell you, well, you're not a doctor. Right. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about because they assume you're going off of one TikTok that you've seen. And that's why I say that like heavy research is important because everybody I know that self-diagnoses, you don't self-diagnose until you've gone through all this research. And if you're going through all this mm -hmm. research, you don't do that just because of one TikTok. You don't right. just like self-diagnose from one TikTok. And all these people that are not autistic or ADHD that are trying to attack all these people for self-diagnosing, it's really frustrating. But I'm also seeing it in the community as well because every once in a while, I'll see an autistic creator talk about how self-diagnosis is harmful, which is mm -hmm. absolute BS. And it comes from a place of privilege because if you're either diagnosed from a young age, you don't go through all those hoops of not understanding who you are and why you're doing all these things. Um, it can also come from a little bit of like... Um, like I said earlier, it does happen even within the community that like sometimes you forget it's a spectrum. So like just because you don't do something doesn't mean somebody else won't do that certain trait. But yeah, we just we just have a lot more hoops to get through still. <laughs>
like not only no. with like other people understanding us but like even within the community there's a little bit of um you know conflicting thoughts even a little bit in the community itself so no I, I mean and I mean it kind of goes into our next thing we were gonna say is what are I'm sure there's so many but what are some of the struggles yeah. that you face I mean, it's probably like you just touched on some, I mean, because we have to think about like other people we encounter, which yeah. sucks, but it's like, we have to think about that. Um, but what are some of those struggles that whether it's a daily basis or just situational that you go through? So this is all based on my own personal experience, by the way, Yeah. because right. yeah. again, like everybody could have different struggles, but Right. For me personally, um, I deal with severe executive dysfunction and I'm also PDA and PDA stands for pathological demand avoidance. So my brain struggles to get my body to do things that I need, that I actually need cues to eat or to pee or to shower. And with my PDA, if somebody wants me to do something, my brain will be like, well, you want me to do that? So I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but that also happens with my brain itself. So my brain will be like, hey, you need to go pee. And my brain will be like, no, you're comfortable. You don't need to get up. And <laughs> so basically, I need a lot of help being just an average human being. And um, I have to have a lot of support. So like when I got diagnosed, um, she said she would place me at a level one, but she says I also kind of fall under level two. And as time has gone on and I've gotten more comfortable in figuring out who I am, I'm most definitely at a level two. I need a lot of support to be a human and I need a lot of cues and a lot of, a lot of help doing your average thing. And, um, with that, that's kind of goes into like what I mentioned earlier, where only 15% of autistic people can hold jobs. Um, so if I'm struggling just doing normal things for myself, it makes it really hard to do other things. So like, I'm now down to a part time job, which has been helpful. I now nanny, which is also helpful that I'm not in like this school setting with lots of people but I still struggle with the fact that like I need to get out of bed mm -hmm. um I need to be somewhere at a certain time because I also have time blindness and luckily the people I work with are fantastic the family I couldn't ask for a better family in fact I've even told them I'm like after you guys don't need me anymore I'm probably not going to work anymore because I'm like that is, this has been the perfect setting and I don't think I'm going to find that again. And so it kind of all goes into play with that. It's like, it's really hard to find people that can accommodate you a lot. So there's a lot of struggle with finding the people that can help you the most in like a job setting, but also just relationship wise, having a partner that understands how to help you having friendships that stay understanding how because like I can't even tell you how many friends I've lost over the years I have not like I get I was always getting very upset um online seeing all these people that are like I've had friends since they're like five years old oh, and they're still God. friends together to this day and I'm like I don't have that um, no same here I and it's one of those never things had too, that. You, 
you see with yeah. the girls where it's like, I need my girls, like yeah, the, on TikTok. No. Everybody like, like probably like, what is, how are you talking about? But yeah. there's like the friends thing where it's like, it's okay, yes. I got my girls. You'll see all these friend, hi- all these friend TikToks. And all I these relate to you. I relate to yeah. you so much in that. And that I've lost a lot too. So I, I can yeah. only imagine on your end and your level. And like, especially when being late diagnosed, especially like I, I know it, you see this in any kind of capacity, whether you're early diagnosed as well, like, especially as somebody who's late diagnosed, who didn't know what was wrong with them. And I go back and I think about certain scenarios and everything. And it was like a lot of times it had to do with my traits that I lost friends um, mm-hmm. because I can be very blunt and really honest with sometimes that really upsets a lot of people. Um, and that I will lose people because of that. I will lose people because of the fact that like, again, like I have trouble just being a human being and taking care of my body and my self and struggling with that. I will sometimes lose track of anything else outside of my little bubble. So because of that, like I'll lose friends because I'll be like, well, you're not putting in enough effort in this friendship. And it's like, I'm trying to stay alive. (laughs) I think that's so important. (laughs) I think that's so important. I think that you said that and maybe someone listening will understand whether it's anxiety, ADHD, depression, or just anything in life that maybe that person is barely hanging on. Like even yeah. this past week, I know it's like totally not into it, but going through that health situation I did these last four days, there were people that texted me that needed shit. And yeah. I literally was like, I am on my floor puking my brains out right now. <laughs> like I yeah. am barely getting by. I don't care that I got to do this. I know you need me or I know we were supposed to do X, Y, Z. And I think that that's really important. You said that because I think some yeah. people need to understand that, like maybe that person beyond behind there is on the other end, barely hanging on, and that's just, it's just so important to say that because I think so many people forget that. Yeah, it that it that helped me a lot, for sure. Was seeing that I'm not the only person that has trouble having friends because I've struggled a lot. I've lost so many people in my life that, and I sometimes didn't always know why there were sometimes some people be like, well, we grew apart. It's like, yeah. Oh, same. That seems weird. And for me, like I almost more so than like your average, like relationship breakup, like for me, friendship breakups have been some of the hardest things that I've had to deal with because I didn't understand why, like, what was it about me that was so off-putting that you're like yeah I don't want to talk to you anymore and I have struggled with that a lot over the years um and it sucks because then you see all these other people that have had all these friendships and I'm like but at the same time because I've dealt with all that I've kept a lot of really toxic friends in my life because I didn't want to lose how long I've known that person because I was like that's the person I've known the longest I cannot let their friendship go I don't Mm -hmm. care if they're being really horrible to me I need to keep them in my life because I have known them the longest of anybody else I've known and it ended up hurting me more and more and that's something that I've had to learn with therapy is like sometimes even if it's been a long time that doesn't mean that you need to keep them in your life you know that kind of thing but it was like, because I keep seeing all these other people that have had friends forever. I'm like, I need to keep this. So I seem normal. Like, but that's yeah. the thing. I'm not normal. I'm autistic. 
I'm gonna have friendships that come in waves and cycles and that's okay and I think like even something I posted the other day where it was like it had something to do with like online friendships and some of my longest friendships have been through the internet and I have never met them in person Mm -hmm. and that's okay because that's my normal that's my normal for friendships and that's fine you know and that's fine if that's how it is for you if you don't have friends that are actually in person but you have a lot of online friends that still counts and I think Mm -hmm. that's something to recognize and notice yeah no and I mean I know you've already touched on it a little bit but any other things that you've kind of learned about yourself along the way since being diagnosed and having that kind of, oh, okay, I'm autistic. Maybe this is why this is this way or that way. Yeah. Um, like I, again, like kind of going over it, like I beat myself up quite a bit because I'm not like other people. I wasn't built like them. So like, no matter how hard I try, I could never be like them. And that's kind of helped a lot with a lot of aspects um, like my self-esteem is a lot better in some ways. It's still pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie. My self-esteem is still pretty bad. But like to flip that narrative of like, this world's not made for my brain. So I'm not gonna act like the majority of people. That's kind of helped me a lot with understanding myself and dealing with self-love more again anything you say like everybody just listening like this is why justine is the co-host everybody like she like has a lot of things always to just make me look at the world and just life better and i guess what are the tools that have helped you in your daily life to kind of whether it was coping with your diagnosis early on or just you use that you're like all right this is gonna help me through whether maybe you're in a store or you're around people that aren't as accepting, mm-hmm. what tools do you use to kind of help that and aid that? A bucket of different fidget toys, mm-hmm. <laughs> weighted blankets, oh, yeah. uh, safe foods. So safe foods are when it's foods that you know you like and you eat it every day. That's basically what a safe food is. Um, so and people tend to call people that have safe foods picky eaters and yeah. that's fine that's totally fine if that helps you have some sense of normalcy um tiktok time tiktok has been <laughs> like, in a way it's been a black hole but at the same time it's helped yeah regulate my body a lot mm-hmm. um just having that like where i'm not having to focus on a whole movie <laughs> it's it's been helpful a lot um gaming I love to play games on my switch um whereas like some people like to get in like these really heavy duty games for me I like Pokemon (laughs) like Mario games stuff like that like what are considered like cozy games I like stuff like that where it's not a lot of like brain capacity um and most of all time with my cats Mm -hmm. um you know, I actually have learned that I stim with my cats and I thought to be mean and leave my dog out of this equation, but like my dog is very anxious, but I've also noticed like my dog has very coarse hair. 
So it's not very soft. It's kind of that like almost like bristly feeling kind of fur. Um, I stem with my cats. My cats have very soft fur. Um, and I've realized that like I've always stemmed with my cats because like I grew up with cats as well as dogs. And I always gravitate towards the cats because I can hold them. They're soft. The purring like that they do um, is very calming for me. The way that their weight can be on my chest helps me a lot. Um, yeah, they're like my little my little healing buddies. They help me a lot whenever I'm having a hard time, whether it's emotional or um, I'm melting down because I'm overstimulated or anything like that. My cats are a very helpful situation in that. I can attest to that. Any episode we do, everybody, just know the boys are in the room. And if you ever see Justine look away and you've been a guest, the cats are (laughs) in the room. So, and I think it's very important really quick to also touch on that sometimes any guest or anyone that's ever been on this podcast, there's times where I know whether you had, like today we had a guest on Mm -hmm. and you said you had your fidget spinner or sometimes you have, you look away because you have your cats. And I think that that's why I have so much respect for you and just I'm just so just proud of you because already sometimes this podcast is tough like all this morning was very thankful for our guest I cannot wait to share this episode we recorded today (laughs) however always a bundle of nerves because it just is it's you want it to be a certain way but I know you have your own struggles and the fact that you get on here and you are so great at the podcast and you're able to do it despite all these things even when you're having like you're like lisa i'm having a a day and we get on Mm -hmm. and we record we do it and i admire that a lot about you that like even though you have that and um whether it's the fidget spinners or the cats the boys in the room you get by and it does help you i've seen it physically aid you and it's always a good time when the boys are in the room (laughs) oh yeah i mean i love it something else to note is like having someone like you be my partner in crime because like I don't think people realize how much you help me to be able to do the podcast like so if you've been a guest you know like Lisa gives me cues of when it's my turn to talk because I do not understand um social cues and the flow of conversation a lot of the times when like I have trouble with it with two people but when there's more than one when more than just me and one other person I really never know when it's my turn to talk so Lisa will actually direct me when it's my turn for my question and I always worry that when we have guests that they're like why can't this girl know when she's supposed to talk because I'm always worried that they're gonna be like thinking I'm not paying attention or something like that because sometimes too like if we have a guest I don't always have a flow of conversation with them necessarily and I'm quiet and you might hear like Lisa taking over more and that's because I go nonverbal and um, I go nonverbal because it helps me hear better and it helps me listen to what's being said more and I think that's another thing to know as well so it it's really interesting being autistic and a podcast host because um you never know how people are going to take that um, so I appreciate any guests we have that do, are like, why is this girl so weird? That, <laughs> and that's why you I was know. wondering. For you. Well, first of all, nobody knows because I edit all that out, so nobody knows. Out. Um, but I still but, figured I'd share that. Yeah, you know? but it's one of those things, though, too, and that's why 
um i had said someone had said once they were like oh justine doesn't talk much and i said that it's mm-hmm. one of those things that um now when it's just us you're on it and i think it's yeah. already i get it because nobody else i mean well they probably know this but before anybody comes in i'm in full-blown like <sighs> like <laughs> yeah go, you know literally having a silent panic attack but once everybody's mm-hmm. in and i'm so happy and i'm like yes we got this i'm so excited and passionate about it and in that ways you help me you you bring the calm yeah. because there is not calm here and that too and i know that is so if ever you hear her say justine's got it it is i'm giving her cues but she's amazing and does yeah. it and i um and you brought so much to this and I mean, obviously talking about music, it's a huge role in your life. We know that, I mean, clearly <laughs> you're doing this, but I mean, met through music and so many things, but how has music played that role in dealing with any struggles that you may have, or just to bring comfort? So I've mentioned before in episodes, I'm pretty sure um, it's truly been the best therapy for me. Like before I had therapists, before I knew what was going on with me. And I'm pretty sure that I have alexithymia which is the difficulty recognizing and expressing emotion. I love that I say that I I think I have it. I'm, I definitely have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, as somebody who will be in therapy and my therapist is like, okay, you got to stop making jokes about your trauma. It's time to, to sit in your feelings, you know? Yeah. And I'm on, I'm actually on the hyper empathetic side of autism. So usually you're either hyper empathetic with autism or you don't have any empathy whatsoever and but I'm on the hyper empathy side and so I can tend to cry a lot and I won't always know why um I have a lot of issues with being in my body and sitting with my emotions so I tend to dissociate a lot which music leads to help me identify what I'm feeling and sometimes why it also has like it's like the main way that I regulate my nervous system. Um, so we talk about how I listen to the same artist on loop and I tend to sing to stem, which mind you, that's another reason why I'm so glad my voice is back because I'm able to sing again <laughs> on a daily basis. But um, I hearing the same thing on repeat also helps me stem because I'm also an auditory stemmer. So hearing the same thing that I already know that already brings me joy on loop, along with knowing the words so I can sing, um, it helps my body loosen up. So it in turn helps like any kind of chronic pain I'm dealing with that day. So I can kind of loosen up and I'm not so tight. Um, It'll help me to understand what I'm going through. It'll help me sometimes cry when I need to cry because I will hold it in. Uh, because I was told I cry too much. And when you get told you cry too much, you tend to learn how to try to bottle it up as best as you can and try to cry in private. Yeah, um, so I think we've I, all been told that. Like, at one, Well, maybe yeah. we haven't. Maybe I'm alone, but I'm with you. I have been told yeah, that. No, <laughs> I, I've been told I cry too much. And so yeah. I've learned to anymore. Like, I'll still cry a lot um, when I don't know what I'm feeling. So I've had, I am one of those people that I'll have somebody be like, oh, don't cry. You don't need to be sad about this. I'm like, I'm not sad. I'm not crying because I'm sad. I can be crying because I'm angry. I can be crying because I'm sad. I can be crying because I am overstimulated. I can be crying for pretty much any 
any emotion you can think. I could, I'll even cry when I'm happy. So sometimes I need the music. So whatever, I'm trying to bottle up these emotions because I am somebody that's learned to bottle up emotions over the time of being with somebody who is abusive, just a family dynamic of you're too sensitive. Um, you learn to try to bottle up those emotions sometimes. And so now I'm to the point now where it's like, I'm still very hyper empathetic. That's goes without saying, but like sometimes I'm, I've recognized that I'm bottling up in an emotion and then I'll listen to music and it lets it out and it'll help me identify with what I'm dealing with and what's going on. Oh, and I mean, this kind of goes without saying to you i mean just a funny story not funny but just to bring up it was only funny because of the song it was it's not funny <laughs> but to this day because you went through, i don't know if it was in that same regard when you did um with pete yeah. davidson and the you know i'm just pete and i like jugs i'm mentally ill <laughs> oh, wait i'm just yeah no it. but people know what i'm talking about anyways yeah. it's like parody of the ken song of barbie which i finally saw it was an incredible movie great movie but yeah. i know i'm late but um, literally because of you and sending me TikToks of that, yeah. when I watched the movie, I'm like, I'm just Pete. And like, I'm like sitting there, <laughs> like, I like jugs. Wait a second. This is Ken. So I can, I firsthand have seen that in, in that aspect too of that. And um, it was just so interesting because I had no idea, even going back to like, just talking about any stim, I had no idea that like- <laughs> what that was and again looking back when I did the little thing mm -hmm. and that guy literally asked me and completely like mortified me and I was like I can never see this guy again um <laughs> but I mean I know you've talked to me too like the physical aspects too I'm sure there's some physical aspects that take place and your autism affects you on a physical level what are in some ways that that happens so physically it's very common a lot of the times that if you're autistic, you tend to have fibromyalgia. There's, there is a common link there. Um, fibromyalgia is also tends to be connected to trauma. So <laughs> every autistic person has trauma and then fibromyalgia tends to kind of have a way at play with that as well. So Fibromyalgia is like an overdose of like cortisone, I believe is what I had seen. So whenever you are, like I said, I'm, I've been taught to bottle up emotions over the years. Um, so when you're constantly bottling up emotion, you're going to be tightening up your body, which is going to lead to chronic pain. Mm -hmm. um, so physically, I deal with a lot of chronic pain I deal with a lot of problems um there's a lot of comorbidities that come with autism so not only do I have fibromyalgia which is a thing I'm in the process of getting a pot syndrome diagnosis which is also very common with autistic people and pot syndrome is basically where um your heart doesn't quite work properly um in a way it doesn't like want to circulate when you're supposed to so you can faint a lot um when you're getting up and down you can get you don't always faint with it as well though because like I don't always faint like I'll get really lightheaded and dizzy just moving around very bad circulations in my hands and my feet um 
it can also cause pain, which is Mm -hmm. another chronic pain problem. Um, Another, again, another chronic pain issue that a lot of autistics have. um, I've tried to look into it and I keep getting shot down. So I don't know if this is something I have or something that I really don't have. And I just happen to have some symptoms of it. But Ehlers Danlos syndrome, um, that's when the, oh, so basically what most people think of is like double jointed people. Mm-hmm. So it's like very, you're very flexible, but then over time it stiffens up to the point that you can't move. That is also very common with autistic people. So is, oh, I'm trying to think of what it's called. I want to say the acronym is like MCAS and it has to do with like um, the histamine in your body. And it can seem like, uh your histamine is like overdone. I, I I could be wrong. If somebody knows what that is, you can share that. That's also very common with autistic people. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of intertwines with autism and it's been very interesting. And I'm still learning myself with that because I'm still trying to get diagnosis for myself. Um, so Basically, if you're autistic, you're more than likely going to have a chronic illness and you're going to be disabled in more than one way. And I am the poster child for that situation. I just there's so much more that I think people didn't realize with autism. And again, anytime you speak on it, which is why it was so important to do this episode. And I mean, I want to know, too, what is something I mean, I know there's the obvious, but as far as accessibility affordability and also especially if you're an adult because I think what a lot of people forget too is that when we're younger and it it was just a thing like there were so many things that when I look back now I'm like yeah I have that yeah I had that anxiety Mm -hmm. I had that you know and um I think we forget that we were just in a very different time too and now that we're older maybe we have more money we have a health care and we have things that we can go get these things checked out I think we need more people on board of that and understanding of that but what is something that you would like to see change in whether it's in the diagnosis process or work environments or just daily life and I know it's asking a lot to ask people to be respectful um I know it's a pipe dream in a weird way but I know we have made progress but I feel like there's just such a long way to go oh there's definitely still a long way to go I think like the biggest thing to note is listen to autistic people for the Mm -hmm. autistic experience we used to be autistic children and so who's going to know more about the autistic experience than people that are autistic in adulthood yeah Um, and listening to large corporations like autism speaks that is made up of only holistic non-autistic people I think there's actually maybe one autistic person that has to do with autism speaks, but that's doesn't matter. Um, and if that's the only place where you're getting information, you're getting a lot of wrong information and they tend to push the narrative that our autistic brains are scary and their money doesn't even go to autistic people. It goes into their own pockets. And I don't think people recognize that they aren't, pushing any information that comes from autistic experience and anytime autistic people are going to them and telling them hey you running this ad that makes it seem like we're 
horrible people or that this mother is talking about how she wishes she didn't have an autistic child how Mm -hmm. harmful that is and we get blocked um Mm -hmm. we get like our comments deleted because they don't want to hear about actual autistic people and their experiences because they just want money and of course, that is the main corporation that is known for autistic, you well, know, the I'm autistic. Say, that's the only one I've ever known. And I used to yeah. admittedly, oh, the puzzle, you know, and, and the puzzle piece. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I knew of autism back then. And I, I'm learning so much through you and just life and just being an yeah. adult now. But well, I mean, like, you're you right. They were, yeah. they're the main, you're right. Like, then that's the main one that's out there. That Why are they the not more educated? It's, yeah. it's upsetting. And it's, comes down to like it is with anything and you know capitalism it's all about money it has nothing to do with what Mm -hmm. it's actually supposed to be about you need to listen to the autistic experience because again like I said like if you've met one person with autism you've only met one person with autism that Mm -hmm. does not you know mean that's all you know so if you only know like um your best friend's cousin who has autism that's five years old that doesn't mean that's what autism looks like in every single person <laughs> and right. everybody is different and it's called the spectrum for a reason um and so that's I think people need to look into the fact that like you should not just place all your information from this big corporation because as we know big corporations are usually in it for themselves that has nothing to do with the people and their money does not go to autistic families for support it doesn't go to like all it does is going to further the narrative that autism is scary and you shouldn't you shouldn't want people to have autism and if you talk to anybody who's autistic none of us will none of us like even though we struggled with the world none of us wish we weren't autistic right it makes me who i am like i do not want to I don't want to cure nobody wants to cure like stop mm-hmm. pushing this narrative that autism is yeah. scary because it's fine to be autistic but what needs to change is how we get support so I another thing that needs to be you know it's a big issue within the autism community itself is the fact that um there's something called Aspie supremacy and Aspie supremacy is the basis of that level one um, support needs. People are more important than anybody else, Um, which means that they're ignoring what level two and level three support people need, Um, which is, again, it's different. It's different for every level. You're not going to, need the same things that a level three is needing if you're level one because like level three they need to probably still stay with their families forever um Mm -hmm. to be able to get the accurate support just because that's what they need and you can go live off on your own doesn't mean that that's the same thing that they need like everybody in the autistic community needs different things and so it goes to like from what I've seen is like level one complaining that like about doing things are infantile um because like I get it to a certain extent like yeah I am a grown human being you shouldn't treat me like a child just because I like Barbie and Pokemon okay but at the same time 
if somebody has to stay at home for their support needs um, and they do like things that seem, you know, quote unquote childish, that's not your place to go and yell at that that family member Mm -hmm. for how they're treated because what matters is what brings them joy and what helps them just because that's not what your experience is doesn't mean that that's what their experience is and that's a huge problem online too is that we need more level two and level three support people to describe their experiences as well because they're getting muted by all the level one people and that's a huge problem anytime I see anybody online trying to create content and they are on like a level two level three basis I try to amplify their voices as best as I can because they're not being heard Mm -hmm. and it's something that's very important that needs to be done um so I think that's something else to know is that like even within the whole community that there is a lot of internalized ableism and if you don't know ableism is like the hatred for like disabilities and stuff like that and when you are raised like a level one or even if you are late diagnosed you might have these like feelings of like I don't want to be related to that person that person's really autistic kind of deal you know what I mean and Mm -hmm that shouldn't be happening what should be happening is that we're all autistic and we all need our own level of support and we need to all be seen um and so like that's something that needs to be very much seen as well because they need safe spaces as well because they're not scary none of us are and so everybody needs their own place in this world even if you're a complete nonverbal level three autistic. So we just, we just have a lot of lot to go, you know, it's not even, like I said, it's not even just like, if you're not autistic, it's even in the autistic community. So we just have like, like I said, like listen to autistic voices. If they're actually autistic, don't listen to people that aren't autistic about autism. Like, I feel like that should be common sense, but it is where where we're at um but also giving space to lower level autistic creators because that's very necessary right now but also poc autistic voices um that's also a thing that's really a struggle and Mm -hmm. and it's like that with every single aspect of everybody because you know we we deal with white feminism um we deal with how like people of POC are and related to any kind of healthcare crisis or, you know, job placements and all of that. It, it's a huge thing. Again, it honestly, it all comes back to capitalism. I'm sorry to be, yeah, person, I mean, it really no, does, but it so. does. And, and I think you've said so many amazing things where it's like, I know people, some people have, personally messaged me about things going on in their life and yeah what a good voice you've been for them in their own journeys and their newly journey of maybe it's their child or or them you know and I think that's so important and it's like why this episode was just it was so important to do for you and for just other people because I think that I had no idea I was like again I was one of those people that was like 
autism is, you're nonverbal yeah. and you line no, up stuff. I mean, and I know that's going to come across really bad, too. but that's what I thought. Or they're, you know, mm-hmm. they want to rock a little bit. That's a stimming, yep. but they want to do these things. And, and again, a lot of society thought, oh, you're weird or you're this. And I think yeah. that's why it was like, all right, we got to do an episode for Justine to just <laughs> have her say and things because I think so many people really if you're hearing this like educate yourself because I mean if you see that person and and or you know someone near you that's newly diagnosed or they're going through it be there for them and Mm -hmm. and be that person that safe person because it's so important and again you just said so much I can't wait to put this out (laughs) I think as well to note that it's okay to ask questions like I ask them all the time to you (laughs) oh yeah Lisa asks me questions all the time but that's (laughs) <laughs> why I really appreciate you, Lisa, because you'll hear something that online or something and you'll come to me yeah. and be like, hey, is this a thing? And I'll be like, no, it's not. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, it's no, it's I, not that. Like, no, like, oh. it's not. Because like, you know, there's always these like weird ads. Like even my mom had asked recently, like, because there's a big ad thing that's been like really amplified online about like, if you took Tylenol during your pregnancy, yes. you probably caused autism. And I think Lisa's asking that as well. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just another one of those fear tactics that Bed and autism speaks pushes that like, mm-hmm. it's not something you're born with. It's caused by vaccines or medications. And it's not. No, <laughs> it's, no, it's clearly, it's clearly not. It's more fear-based stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, if any of our viewers ever have any questions about anything yeah. autism related, it's okay to, you know, message any of our, our things. Um, yeah. at Lisa, if it's going to Lisa, Lisa will direct it to me and she'll yeah. give you the answers, but I'm always willing to answer any kind of questions, even if you think it's silly or even yeah, if you feel like me, it could be guys. like <laughs> super personal or something, I am an open book. I'm always willing to help people learn and to understand better and the only way of doing that is asking questions that you think are sillier too personal so yeah no 100 yeah. percent. people ask because trust me they're not as I don't want to say bad but <laughs> I've asked some questions before so yeah, stuff I've no. seen so trust me you're not so ask away and like again you can do that on our socials or Instagram even TikTok mm-hmm. the website whatever you feel comfortable with um and you can do that and then yeah guys like this is can't believe this is a second episode for us which is crazy but yeah we we're doing this thing I can't believe we're back to this thing in this podcast but we we are here <laughs> and I appreciate you I'm sorry if it sounded a little off but like it's been a week for both of us getting back like it's yeah. just been a week but we are here and this is such an important episode and I'm so excited to do that and we will see you guys next Tuesday a lot of stuff on the way so don't you worry but all right <laughs> bye guys bye